All right, all right. How are we doing tonight? Chicago! Just yelled it out. Didn't even know the rules. Just yelled out Chicago. She ain't even listening. Zach, thank you for that compliment on my skinny jeans. Appreciate that. You're very, very, very kind. Very kind. Hey, uh, it's so good to be back with you guys tonight. Welcome to week two of the series we've been in. Are you guys glad we're in a relationship series? Or are you like, ah, not so, not so much. Scared of what I'm going to say tonight. You should be scared. Uh, hey, I, I'm super excited. I, I talked to a lot of you guys after last week, and uh, I, I think where we're going with the series, and I think what we're talking about is making sense. I hope it is. Uh, but last week, we began this idea and this collection of talks uh, that we've entitled Love on the Brain. Because everybody has love on the brain, right? Everybody's thinking about it, especially this season. How many of you had an awesome Valentine's Day date? Boo. Everybody just boo it. Yeah. Happy Galentine's Day. That's a thing. So uh, anyways, but love on the brain. So we started this collection of talks where we're just talking about relationships. And really our goal is to get super practical, to get super practical and talk about some of the difficulties in dating and uh, how to date wisely. And so um, we started that last week, and I'm really excited about what we're doing tonight. Uh, last week, we kind of had a big overview. I gave you a large overview of where we're going for the next few weeks. And so tonight, we're going to break it down a little bit more. But if you missed uh, last week, you can go on iTunes, and you can subscribe to the uh, College at 12 Stone uh, podcast, and you can download. I would encourage you actually to listen to last week because um, there might be some things this week and in the future that don't make a whole lot of sense, and last week's message will help with that. So you can go on there, download that, and uh, take a listen, and uh, I think that'll help you a lot. But uh, last week we discussed we discussed two different pathways. You remember the 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 names of the pathways? Anybody? We talked about two different pathways uh, that you can walk down in dating. One being the path of promiscuity. Turn to your neighbor and say promiscuity. It's a tough word to say. Promiscuity. And then we talked about uh, the path of purity. And the path of promiscuity really is defined as just a haphazard, casual way of approaching dating. Where you don't go into it with much intentionality. It's just a, I don't know, I think I like him, he likes me. Let's just see what happens and go for it. Uh, that's one way you can go about dating, and uh, in that is a lot of uh, different, uh, I would say, dangers you should be aware of in that. But on the other path is the path of purity, and we define purity and what that means. Uh, but really what we're looking for is we're looking to be pure not just in our physical actions. We're looking to be pure in our mind, in our heart, and in our physical actions because uh, we discussed last week that our goal isn't virginity. Our goal is purity. And because you can be a virgin and be a pervert. And so our goal is to be pure in our mind, our heart, and our actions with our body. So that's what we're going after when we say the path of purity and what all that means. We discussed the two paths, and we kind of went back and forth into what each of them looked like. We compared and contrasted the two different paths. And so um, that's kind of where we went and where we're going tonight is we're going to unpack uh, both paths a little bit more. So are you ready? Are you excited? You got your pens, notes? Bibles, we're going to go after it together. Let me pray for us. I know we've prayed a few times tonight, but let me just pray for us as we get into it, all right? Father, we thank you uh, for this opportunity, and we thank you for each person in this room that you have them here on purpose for a reason. And so, Lord, we ask that you would give us your wisdom, that you would speak to us, that you would make the words on these pages come alive tonight. And, Lord, we need a revelation of you. We don't just need another church service. We need an encounter with you. 
And so would you do that? Would you meet us uh, where we're at, each one of us? And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and just say, I'm so glad to see you tonight. <laughs> hey, I told you guys um, a few weeks ago that I'm not really into uh, scary things. I told you about my experience in the haunted corn maze and what that was like, uh, awful experience. Not really into scary movies. Anybody love scary movies? Sick people, sick people in here. Not really into scary movies. I don't understand why you would want to uh, put yourself through that kind of torture. Uh, but I do, I do love movies, actually. I enjoy watching movies and a lot of favorite movies. But there is one particular movie that I will never forget um, the feeling it left me with after I watched it. Have you ever left a movie or got done watching a movie and you just felt terrible about your life? You're like, I feel disgusting, actually, or I feel awful about life altogether. Have you ever, ever had that happen? I remember the feeling um, after I watched this movie and I thought, ugh, like I just want to go home and go to sleep and forget this ever happened. It just left me with this, I don't even know what to say. It just left me with that kind of feeling, you know. Um, and this movie, it was just awful. And uh, it was, it was, it came out. 2006. So I would, I would say spoiler alert, but I feel like if a movie is over 10 years old, you just, I'm going to ruin it for you because if you haven't seen it yet, you're probably not going to see it, right? Came out in 2006, um, and the movie is called The Breakup. Anybody ever seen The Breakup? <laughs> uh, the movie's called The Breakup, and it, it has Vince Vaughn, Jennifer Aniston in it, are the two main characters. Uh, kind of, I guess you would call it a a romantic comedy movie. And so it was really odd that I hated this movie because I usually love those romantic... I'm kidding. Uh, but but here's, here's why the movie uh, kind of took me off guard a little bit is because usually those movies are all the same. They all have the same plot. They, they provide like a tension and then at the end of the movie it gets resolved. And all movie producers, directors know they want to leave you feeling good about life because they want you to go, oh, that was a great movie. The reason this movie threw me off so much is because it didn't do that at all. It actually left you with, uh, spoiler alert, they end up breaking up. The couple breaks up. The whole movie is about them breaking up, their breakup, and, and you just feel the tension in the relationship, and it feels awkward, and, and it's just you're cringing the whole time because it's terrible. And then at the end of the movie, they continue to break up, and I kept waiting for the scene that they would somehow get back together and live happily ever after. And then out of nowhere, the credentials start rolling. I'm like, what in the world? And, and the whole movie, and they just broke up. That was the end of the movie. They end up Anybody following me? You know what I'm talking about, this movie? Awful movie, right? And you just sit there and you watch them go through this turmoil of a breakup. But reality is, is that that's not just movies. Like, that actually happens in real life, you know, that there are breakups and uh, either you get to watch them, maybe a friend or someone go through them, or maybe it's been you in the past, or maybe you've been through something like that, and you get to feel the tension and, and just everything involved in that, and it feels awful. And part of what... Um, this series is designed to do is to help you walk through uh, dating in such a way where you, 
you protect yourself from getting so intimately involved in the beginning that if something does go wrong and you break up, or if maybe it's not wrong, maybe it's right, if something happens and you break up, that you don't feel like a complete disaster and a complete wreck, while also dating in such a way where you can continue to move the thing forward and it could end up in something of greater commitment like marriage. And so the tension is, how do you do both of those? And so we talked last week, we introduced the series and the idea last week of these two different paths. And so I just want to review, if you weren't here, uh, this to give you a large review, but to kind of get us all on the same page, this is what we talked about. Throw it out there. We walked through the path of promiscuity on the left and the path of purity, which starts first with the uh, two concepts of intimacy and commitment and the balance between the two. And if you want to have a relationship that is walking down the path of purity, uh, you can never allow intimacy to outgrow commitment. And that's really the biggest struggle in relationships is to allow commitment to be what intimacy thrives in. And I, I ruffled some feathers last week because we talked about how really in dating, the commitment level is zero, maybe a little bit more, right? Because it's you for now, but maybe tomorrow, I don't know. Uh, and so commitment actually doesn't uh, become a hard rock thing until marriage. And so the struggle is how do I allow uh, intimacy to not outgrow commitment? And then we went on and we just walked through the path of promiscuity. We talked how it first starts out of a mode of desperation, being desperate for someone, and then it leads into infatuation, and then it leads into isolation, and then it leads into consumption, and then ultimately concession where you just go, I guess the next thing is marriage. We're living like we're married, so we might as well just get married. On the other hand, the path of purity starts with dependence, dependence on God. And then it leads into just interest. And then it leads into invitation, where you invite each other into your world. And then it leads to contribute. And then it leads to, finally, completion. And we walk through these. And tonight, we're going to talk specifically about the desperation, dependence, and infatuation, and interest. Are you ready? Let's be honest. No one really, uh, no one really wants to be single the rest of their life. At least I haven't met that person. Uh, no one, no one desires for that. We all desire love and uh, uh, significance and value, and we desire that relate. We don't want to be lonely, right? We want that companionship. We want butterflies in our stomach. We want that, right? Most people do. Uh, so that is our natural desire. And then you add on top of that, you add on top of that the pressure that we often feel from outside sources, whether it's social media or movies or whatever, the pressure that you feel where you look at a couple and they seem to have it all made and they're smiley and they're great. And you think to yourself, geez, if I just had that. And you feel a pressure of you, you follow that person on Instagram and you're like, gosh, they just look so happy with that significant other. And you think to yourself, man, if I just had that, maybe my life would be better. And then you add these two things together and you can begin to operate your system of dating out of desperation. So two things to know about desperation. Number one is this. Desperate people... Look to a relationship to solve what only God can solve. Desperate people look to a relationship to solve what only God can solve. Being desperate is when I'm empty inside, 
and I'm looking for someone else to fill my emptiness. I'm looking for someone else to fill what I'm lacking. I lack something, and I need someone else to fill that. Oftentimes, it's that I'm fearful of what my life will become in the future, which oftentimes is we have a dream of our future of, you know, me and my spouse, and we got a few little munchkins running around. We got the white house and the picket fence, and we got a little golden retriever, Marley. Uh, another terrible movie, <laughs> awful movie, so sad. Uh, we, got, we got this perfect little life, and oftentimes it's that vision that we want, and there's nothing wrong with wanting that, but oftentimes it's that that makes us feel like I gotta have that, and so we go searching for who's the person that's gonna fit in the picture. And we begin to operate out of a desperation. i got to find that person that's going to fit in the picture. Could it be her? Could it be him? Could it be? And we just start looking. Oftentimes, it's our vision for what we want in the future that causes us to operate out of desperation. Oftentimes, it's that I'm sad about what my life has become now, and I'm counting on a boy or a girl to make it better. I'm sad about my situation now and what I have built for my life now, and someone else is going to solve that for me. I'm unhappy, but I'd be happier if I had romance. I'm unfulfilled, but I would be filled if I had someone else. I'm not value. I don't feel significant. I feel like I have no value. I don't feel love. A lack of self-worth will cause us to go searching for someone, and we think that if they'll just love me, then I will feel worthy. I'll feel loved. I'll feel valued. And it's that mentality that sends us on a desperate search looking for someone. If you remember last week, we said the problem is, is just like when you're hungry, any restaurant will do. When you're desperate, anybody will do. And that's the problem you get into when you start down the path of promiscuity, of desperation. You're already operating in an awful foundation. Check this out. You bring an emptiness into a relationship and expect someone else to fill the emptiness of your heart. Whether it's the value, significance, whatever it is, you expect someone else to fill that. And guess what? Ironically or curiously, the very emptiness that you got into the relationship with will be the very emptiness that causes your relationship to implode. Because when you begin putting the expectations on someone else to fill the lack in me, the emptiness in me, the need for value and the need for significance. When you put those expectations on someone else, a relationship can't operate under that because a human being cannot fill that. Are you following me? So the very reason you got into a relationship will be the very reason that causes your relationship to undo itself. A desperation mode. However, when you, listen, when you and God are right and God is meeting those needs, he is filling your emptiness, you enter the relationship with a different maturity. When he is doing that, you enter a relationship with a completely different maturity. In fact, you enter on a whole different path. Dependent people. Listen, dependent people are so connected, intimately connected with God, that they are dependent on him to fulfill their deepest desires. 
Therefore, there is no pressure and there is no race to find someone to do that because it's already been done. So I can sit back and rest. I love the verse in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, and it says this. It says, you keep him, God keeps him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you, on God, because he trusts in you. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. I feel like some people need to maybe memorize that one. You keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because I trust in you. God, you keep me in perfect peace because I trust in you. Dependent people have a trust that God will fill the needs of their soul and of their heart that no one else can fill. Therefore, they can sit back and go, God, I trust that in the right timing, in your timing, I will find that person. And here's the cool thing. Dependent people know when they find someone else who is dependent. And when they do, it's a beautiful match because we're not relying on the other person to do that. And then we can support and encourage each other into a continued dependence on God. Dependent people know when they find someone else who's dependent. All right, number two. Number two thing you need to know about desperation is this. Desperate people lower their standards to raise their chances. Desperate people lower their standards to raise their chances. They lower the standards on the kind of person they're willing to date, and they lower their standards on the kind of person they're willing to become. You used to want a man of God. Now you got a little desperate, and you'll settle for a man with a tattoo of a cross. That's a joke. Nah. <laughs> that was just funny. I'm just joking around. Uh, ladies, ladies, let me talk to you real quick. I know this goes both ways, uh, but ladies, I'd love to uh, just talk with you for a second. You write this down. Whatever you catch him with will be what you keep him with. Whatever you catch him with will be what you keep him with. Now, um, what I mean by that is if you catch a guy with your sexuality, more than likely that will be what you keep him with as well. Now, that never excuses the guy's actions and all that kind of stuff. I understand that completely, and, and uh, yeah, totally. But I'm just saying, what you catch him with on day one, he's expecting on day 100 and day 1,000 and day 10,000. So be careful what you catch them with. If you catch them with, I'm a woman of God, and I find my value and my significance in him, and I love him, and I serve him wholeheartedly, and he is my number one priority, if that's what you catch someone with, then that's what they expect. And that's what they'll expect on day one and day 100 and day 1,000 and going forward. So be careful what you catch somebody with. And we don't talk a whole lot in the college world about, like, modesty and all that kind of stuff, but I, I think that's where that goes into play. Be careful how you present yourself because who you catch with what you catch them with is what you'll keep them with. Fellas, the same thing goes for you. If you'll say, man, what I want to catch a girl with is that I'm a man of God and I serve and I love him and he's my number one priority. And I don't care what culture says about how men should be and how they should act. I choose to follow God and to serve him wholeheartedly. If that's what you catch someone with, Oh, man, 
That's what you keep them with. So be careful. What's your throw? Anybody fish? Anybody love fish? Cool, cool. I don't. But uh, <laughs> what I know, <laughs> I mean, I'll go fishing if you want, but I'm not like, oh, it's Saturday. Let's go fishing. Um, what I know about fishing is that if it, depending on what kind of bait you throw out determines what kind of fish you catch. And I hate to, I don't mean to, you know, dehumanize this conversation and, and compare you to a fish and bait and that kind of thing. But what I'm saying is, is uh, the, the bait you throw out will determine who latches on to it. You follow me? So be careful what you catch someone with. All right. Desperation and dependence. Can we move on to infatuation and interest? Oh, Lord, I got 10 minutes. I'm in trouble. Infatuation or interest. If you want to know if you're desperate or dependent, look at infatuation or interest. Because needy people obsess over what will meet their need. Needy people obsess over what will meet their need. Dependent people are freed up from the desperation. So I'm able to ask the right questions about the person I'm interested in. There's no desperation, so I can ask the right questions. I thought I've never done this before, so I thought I'd tell you a little bit about uh, my wife and, and our story and our journey, and I'll keep it quick. I know you don't care a whole lot, but I got the mic, so I'll share. <laughs> when you have the mic, you can share your story. Uh, my wife and I met in 2000, well, actually it was like, December 29th of 2010. I was at Liberty University. She was at Charleston Southern University. Uh, both of our families lived in Statesboro, Georgia. So we were both home in Statesboro visiting our families. We went to the uh, Christmas Eve service at our church, and I saw this young lady on the front row. And afterwards, I said, Dad, you got to tell me who was that. And so he told me, and actually, our parents set us up. Uh, it was an arranged marriage. It was weird. Uh, <laughs> Not really, but they actually did set us up. And so uh, like that, the next day we went to uh, coffee and then I took her bowling because I wanted just, you know, and then I beat her at both games because I wanted her just to know this is how, this is how. (laughs) Y'all clapping, you're crazy. Uh, So we went, we did that and uh, here's what happened. So uh, two days later, we both went back to our schools, me to Virginia, her to South Carolina, and we continued to talk. And eventually, in like March uh, of 2011, so just three months later, we became official boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. And we began, listen to this, for the next two years, we had a long-distance relationship. So for the next two years, we were six hours apart from each other, right? Uh, And so we figured it out. We would... Once every month or so, we would meet up on a Saturday in Charlotte because it was halfway, and we would just spend the day together, and then we would go back, and uh, our relationship consisted of doing that and figuring it out, and so um, in 2013, no, that's not right, yeah, 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 so I was here in Gwinnett in 2013, and then so she graduated from school, she was able to move here, and uh, in April of 2013, and then, uh, so we were here together for that year. And then in 2014, like February 2014, I got a job in Tennessee. So I moved to Tennessee, left her here again, and we began another uh, 11 months of long-distance uh, relationships. Now, a lot of people said, Austin, you're crazy. Well, how do you do this? Why are you doing this? 
Don't you know, like, there's so many other girls out there. You don't have to have this hardship, all this kind of stuff of, of long distance. You don't have to go through that. And we both decided that we felt like it was worth it. That, yeah, it was hard. It was terrible. But it was worth it to both of us. And so we just continued in it. And eventually, so for three and a half years, uh, we dated and, and got engaged in that kind of thing. And for, uh, I believe it was two and a half of those we were long distance, and we just figured it out. Now, here's what I want you to know about that. In that season, I don't, I don't recommend that. I'm not saying you should go be long distance on purpose. It was awful. But in that season, we learned to depend on God to fill our deepest desires, not one another. Because there was a distance between us. If, I had, if she had a bad day, she couldn't come home to me and depend on me to cheer her up. She had to depend on God to fill her deepest needs. Same thing was true for me. We learned to depend on God, not the other person. And I believe that in that, we allowed our intimacy not to grow. Our intimacy never grew bigger than our commitment did. Because we were dependent on God to fill that. Not only that, we were dependent on God to figure out our relationship. Depending on, like, I don't, we're long distance this, I, I have a career that I'm going after. She has hers. But we're just going to depend on God to work this out. If this, is, if this is what he wants, he'll work it out. And long distance will not keep us from one another. We learn to depend on God. The second thing that we learn is, or the second benefit, I guess, that came from long distance is that we were able to get to know each other without becoming intimate with one another. We were able to get to know each other first. And that's why this point of interest instead of infatuation, is so important. Get to know. Here's the point. You don't, you don't have to have my journey. Your story is different than mine. I don't recommend that you go do that on purpose or anything. But here's the point. Learn before you love. In your relationship with someone, learn before you love. Learn about who they are. Learn about their character. Learn about what makes them tick. Learn before you start loving. It'll take you a long ways. If you'll learn before you love. So I promised you last week that I would give you a few questions that you should ask about someone that you're interested in. So I'm going to give those to you. Are you ready? Come on. If you want some questions, say amen. amen. Some of these questions, uh, the answer to them, I think, just kind of, you know, caution, yellow. If, if the answer to this is, is bad, I would just say it's a caution. It's a yellow light. Uh, some of these, if the answer is bad, I would say it's a giant red light. It's danger. But uh, the point is that you, you can adopt these questions, adopt your own questions, I don't care. The point is learn before you love, ask the right questions, be interested. When you're infatuated, when you're infatuated instead of interest, sometimes you just get wrapped up in the emotions and the love of everything, and you don't ask the right questions. Ask the right questions. Here we go. First question, obviously you should ask, how do they follow Jesus? What's their relationship with Jesus like? And here's the thing, don't listen to what they say Watch what they do. Don't listen to what they say. Watch what they do. Things like, how do they love the least of these? How do they forgive? Do they hold grudges or are they quick to forgive? Do they obey his word? How do they pray about things? Here's a good question to ask. When was the last time you prayed about something and God answered it? That's a great question to ask someone. When was the last time you prayed and God answered your prayer? Another question you should ask. 
How do they treat their siblings? How do they treat their parents? Ladies, look at how he treats his mom. I'm telling you, if he doesn't treat you with respect, I don't know what makes you think he's going to treat you with respect. Another question. <laughs> Another question. Where, where are they headed in life? And what do they say? And does what they're doing line up with what they say? The point is, you, they don't have to have all the details figured out. They don't have to have all the nuances. You're 18, 20, 25 years old. You're not going to have all the details figured out. The purpose of the question is you want to know, are they just sitting back in life and just waiting for life to happen? So do they have a proactive posture or a reactive posture to life? For me, it would be quite alarming if I was getting into a relationship with someone who was just reacting to life however it came to them. Okay? Another question I would recommend. Do they manage their life well? Are they irresponsible with money? And, and here's the thing. Not, uh, look at, don't look at their personality. Look at responsibility with this. Because I am a spend money person, okay? I like to spend money. Anybody else just say, that's me, that's, my wife is a penny pincher. I'm a spend money, that's my personality. But responsibility says, okay, even though that's my personality, I've got to figure out how to manage my life financially. You got to ask that question. How, do they manage their life well? If the person you're interested in continues to get fired from their job, don't you think you should be alarmed that they may not know how to work, they may not have a work ethic, they may not be able to complete a task, they may not know how to show up on time. Don't you think that's something you would want to know? And listen, if you're infatuated with someone, your first reaction is to rescue them from that. If you're interested in someone, it's a warning sign. Stay interested. I'll, let me, uh, once again, I got the mic. Let me brag on my wife real fast. My, <laughs> she's not even in the room and I'm doing this. Somebody, y'all got to send her like the tape of this or something. I need some brownie points. Uh, my wife graduated. She was a scholar athlete, ran track and cross country in college. So that's a year-round sport. She graduated with an undergrad in three and a half years. Then did her master's at the University of Georgia in a year and a half in a program that usually takes two years. All the while... Uh, Six months of that, we were engaged, so she was planning a wedding during her master's. So for me, I stepped back and looked at her, and I went, I bet you that her work ethic and her commitment and her, her ability to manage her life in that way, I bet you that will transfer over to how she's a mom one day. And to me, that mattered. To me, that was important. Once again, you don't have to ask that question, but ask questions. Just a couple more. What are their friends like? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, bad company corrupts good character. Ladies, if you think you're dating a good guy, but all of his friends are trash, I promise you he's not as good as you think he is. Because a good guy uh, can't be around those kind of people for too long. Can't build his life around friendships that are trash. He can't do it. So what are his friends like? Another question. What are your friends saying? This is such a great question that many people don't like to ask. But maybe there's something about the person that you're interested in, and you're so clouded by the infatuation around it 
that maybe someone else can give you some wisdom into something that you can't see? How well do they handle adversity? What is their last relationship? What was their last relationship like? What happened there? <laughs> if they, I'll move on in just a second. If they have a history of having their heart broken in a relationship, history of that, wouldn't that indicate that they typically allow themselves to get so emotionally intimate and so emotionally committed that it ends in a disaster if they have a history of having their heart broken? And I'm not saying that's a reason to throw it out. I'm just saying that would give you kind of a red flag into how I approach this relationship. So I would do things like, uh, maybe it's best for us not to have all-day texting conversations. Maybe we just commit to doing one date night a week. Things like that that allow you to keep emotional intimacy uh, kind of apart. Does that make sense? Is this helping anybody here? Is this helping? <laughs> Here's the deal. All these questions. You can't find out this stuff overnight. You can't find out this stuff overnight. It takes time, and it takes effort, and it takes energy. So, I'm going to ask uh, Sadie, you can come back up and start playing. We're going to worship in a little bit. But here's, here's how we close. Here's how we close. The way, the only way that you can sit and rest while you ask questions is if you're not desperate. The only way that you can sit and rest and ask the right questions is if you're not desperate, to fill a void. If you're not desperate to fill a void, I can sit and rest and just ask the right questions and get to know someone. And the only way that that happens is if you're dependent. If you're dependent on God, first of all, to fill your void, and then second of all, dependent on God to work out the relationship thing as a whole. And say, God, in your timing, I know this will come to pass. In your timing, you'll provide. The only way that you can sit back and rest and just ask the right questions is if you're not desperate and you're just dependent on God. It reminded me of um, a scripture of the account that we have of Jesus just a few hours before he went to the cross and he purchased the redemption of all of mankind in Matthew chapter 25. I want to read it to you. We're going to put it on the screen. Matthew chapter 25, it says that then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while we go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed. Listen, this is, this is his prayer. My father... If it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Now, you're not, you're not heading to death, and you're not facing what Jesus was facing, but I wonder if this prayer is the same prayer that maybe you can pray over your singleness, over your relationship, over whatever it is you're facing. To say, God, if it's possible, I'd really like to find the guy or the girl. I'd really like to have that. Yet, not my will, but your will. 
And this is a posture of dependence, a posture of surrender, going, God, this is what I want. This, is, this would be great. This is what I desire, like all of us do. But yet not my will, but your will. Jesus surrendered his will. He said, I don't want to do this. This is, this is going to be painful. This is going to be more than I can bear. Yet he said, God, it's more important that I depend on you and that I trust in you. And he surrendered to the will of his father. I wonder if that would be appropriate for you. That in the area of your dating, in the area of your relationships, that you would surrender to him and make a commitment to become more dependent on him. Another verse in Luke chapter 9 that I love, verse 23, it says, And he was saying to them all, Jesus, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. Even in your dating life, the life that you so desperately want can only be found when you surrender and trust and begin to depend on him. The life, the relationship that you want begins with you losing. For the one who loses his life will find it. The one who loses his will, the ones who loses his control, her control, the one who lays that down and picks up a posture of, God, I depend on you, I trust in you, that person will then find life, will then find completion, will then find commitment, will then find all the intimacy that God wants you to enjoy, will then find that. The one who loses, the one who loses their control, their dependence, or the, their control, and begins to depend and surrender. I think for many of you in the room tonight, you have, maybe it's not publicly, maybe it's not to every, everyone around you and your friends, uh, and maybe you're, you're not walking around looking desperate, but maybe in your closet at night or in the morning or in your room, you, you can just confess tonight, God, I realize I'm not dependent on you. Dependence. Dependence is allowing God to solve what he can solve. Desperation is you trying to solve it yourself. And so I think for many of us in the room, we've been fighting this battle of trying to win this relationship world or this dating world. Or maybe you struggle with anxiety and stress and just a bunch of pressure trying to figure out who you're going to end your life with or begin your life with. Uh, that journey of yours and you struggle with all this and it begins actually with you saying, God, I just release all of that. I just want to release it. Because when you lose it, then you will find it. The one who loses their life will find their life. So I think the invitation for us tonight is that some of you have a posture of dependence on God. That you take a posture of dependence and say, okay, I need to surrender what I have been trying to control. And let go and say, God, I depend on you in this arena of my life. And so that's what I want to invite you to. If you just bow your heads and close your eyes, I just want to ask you, is God calling you to release some of the desperation and to pick up some dependence? Is God asking you maybe to, to pick up a posture of dependence on him? 
And so I want to just open uh, this altar. And, and last week I gave you some options of you can sit at your seat, go to the back, whatever. Tonight I want to I open the altar. And I want to invite you, if maybe you need to take a posture of dependence on God in this arena of your life, that you come down and do that. We're going to worship with a song. But just a sign of you coming down and, and, and praying and saying, God, tonight, I'm going to start with depending on you. I don't know what that looks like for you. Each person's different. Each person's different. And dependence on God doesn't mean that you're going to break up with the person you're with now. Maybe you're, with, you're in a relationship, but you're expecting that person to fill the voids in your heart. And tonight, you need to say, God, I'm going to depend on you to fill the void in my heart, not that other person. And you need to take a posture of dependence. So that's what I want to invite us to tonight. And as we sing and worship, if that's you, there's just want to open up this altar and just allow you some time to worship God and to pray. And just take a posture of dependence right here tonight and say, Lord, this is, this is my heart's desire. And this is what I want to do going forward. So, Lord, I realize the heaviness and the weight of this subject, and I don't take it lightly. Um, but God, I think it's, it's the heaviness and the weight and just the realization of how a toxic relationship or the path of promiscuity in relationships can just be such a dangerous way and can ruin a life. So God, while the weight of it is huge, the weight of not responding to what you're calling us to is even larger. And so, Lord, would you um, speak divinely to people in here tonight? And would you give us the courage to respond to how you're leading us to respond? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If that's you, you can come forward whenever you want.